Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 82 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, and what assets to look at to determine how close you are to complete financial choice. Last week, we had book agent Randy Pizer, who spoke about how she connected authors to major publishers. We spoke about how to write a book and have it be your most powerful marketing tool and how to run your business without being in your business. Today, we have as our guest, Nancy Geary. Nancy has over 25 years of experience working in training, marketing, customer service, retail management, insurance, and financial services. <laughs> Actually, the only career she hasn't pursued is in the restaurant or waste management business. Pretty unusual for a Sicilian uh, from Chicago. <laughs> Welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here today. Well, let's get right to it with some questions. Tell me what you do and why you do it. Oh, well, what I do is I work with entrepreneurs, mostly authors, speakers, and coaches that want to turn their expertise into profitable online courses. So that's the place that I operate in. And one of the main reasons that I do this is because I have a ton of experience in the corporate sector doing creating training programs for businesses of all sizes. And with the way that the world has changed and now everybody is putting a course online, really anybody can, which is good news and bad news. The good news is that anybody can. The bad news is that they don't really think through the design and the flow and what, how they really, where they want to get people to from the time that they sign in until they're, until they're complete. So what I want to do is give people really solid instructional design principles so they can really up their game and have their courses reflect just how brilliant they really are. Ah, uh, cool. Is there a particular charity that you support? And if so, what do they do? Um, there's a charity I support called Power of Love, and what they do is provide resources to women, primarily in third world countries, to be able to help them build businesses. Very, you know, more of a, a micro lending type of a situation to really help them get off the ground. It's amazing in some parts of the world how a little bit of money can go a long way and really make a big difference in helping these women be able to take care of their families. Um, yeah. And when you talk about a little bit of money, there's a big difference between what that means in the United States versus in third world countries, where for $25, you can start a business yeah. uh, by buying a goat. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a different world altogether. Totally different. Yeah, hear that, you know, barely get your lunch in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, that was an issue just yesterday. I'm guessing your target market are, uh, like you said, experts and coaches and folks like that, entrepreneurs, whatever. But right. let's get to what your biggest failure, whether it was personal or business, might have been. Well, several years ago, I had a contract 
and it was with a quasi-government organization. And they had very specific reporting requirements. And it wasn't that I had done anything wrong, but I was very sloppy in how I was keeping my records. And I was flagged for an audit, which was not, they, they basically, they audit everybody that was a consultant in this program. At some point you could expect they were going to audit you in your tenure with them. So it wasn't Mm. Um, like like something suspicious. I want to make sure people know I'm not a criminal because I am a Sicilian <laughs> from Chicago. So it does make yeah, people right. kind of wonder, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I know a guy, uh, <laughs> but I had relied on someone to help me. And when I was hiring for someone to help me, I was so stressed out and so anxious that I made a bad hiring decision. Mm. And a lot of the mistakes she made, I, I could have made by myself. So I really had to stop and just pull back and go, okay, what do I need to do to solve this and really take my time and find the right person to help me? Fortunately, I, I had time to get to get everything in order and found the right person. And I stopped doing work for some of my other clients to just, I had to get the foundation for my business laid to have the right people on board so that I could scale because I was really stuck trying to do everything myself. And I think that's a real challenge for a lot of solopreneurs, when you're you're at that point and you're experiencing growth, and if you try to do everything yourself, you're going to burn out. You're going to make mistakes. You potentially can lose business rather than build business. So it's that you know that tension of okay, I have to start contracting with people, whether it's bringing in a virtual assistant or actually hiring people. You know, the idea of having payroll can be kind of scary, right? Yeah. So you know that was the big big lesson learned for me is that. As smart as I am, I can't do everything. And I've got to find people that complement me, not people that are like me. Yeah. And it sounds like another insight is you don't hire people when you're under stress. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard to be discerning if you're yeah. overwhelmed. You're just like, thank God you're a body here. Let me, yeah. let me, let me sign you up and I'll... I'll I'll get you a pen and a pad of paper. You can get to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the typical feelings your prospects experience. Tell me about that. Well, you know, there's this, when people think about creating a course, it, on the surface, it sounds easy. It's like, well, you know, I'll, yeah. it, for some reason, it seems to people that it's easier to write a course than to write a book when they both are, they both require time. They require attention. They require creativity. You have to think through what is the flow? What is the structure going to be? And when people get into it, they, they can just start to panic and then they lose their ability to really think it through because oftentimes one of the things, well, I'm going to write my introduction. Well, no, you don't want to start with your introduction. You want to write everything else and come back and do your introduction at the end. Yes. And uh, there's resistance to creating an outline and creating a framework. And if you can create a good framework, uh, I call it a design blueprint for your program, that kind of keeps you grounded in terms of this is what I decided this course is going to be all about. So as new ideas and information come in, you can bump it up against this blueprint and say, is this going to help me get to my course? Is this a great thing for me to add? Or am I starting to go down a rabbit hole, and I need to just take this chunk of information, set it aside, and then you know pick it up and work on it at another time. And people, the other part that people get very overwhelmed and frustrated about is they'll buy the tool first. Mm. So they'll choose pick your platform, 
Yeah. I happen to be on the New Zendler platform. Um, a lot of people are on Kajabi and Kartra. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll buy the yep. platform and it's almost like joining the gym in January. <laughs> the first week you're like there and you're, you know, you're looking around, you're yeah. poking around at everything and okay, it was great. And then you stop and you're still paying this membership, but you're not using it. So I think it's a great idea to kind of get a sense of the platform that you want to be on, but then get your program further along before you actually subscribe and start building so that you don't end up wasting, you know, that's the thing with subscription models. How many how many people out there have a subscription? Have subscriptions? Like, do I have do I have a subscription to that? <laughs> <laughs> or not? I have, yes, I have to ask my VA when I yeah. get notices to pay some subscriptions. Like, is this something we're actually using? Yeah, is this what is this? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's also I want to emphasize what you spoke about in terms of you know creating the course and not necessarily doing the introduction first. Because you don't even know what you've created until right. you've done it. And so how could you possibly be introducing it? This reminds me of, I used to teach some courses for the learning annex back when they were in business. We're talking over 20 years ago. And I recall in the presentation, and this is similar if you're designing a course, but in presenting the material, I had three sections I was presenting. And when I would get to the second section, people were demoralized. And I realized I was putting the sections in the wrong order. Mm. And when I turned it around, everything worked out beautifully. Yes. And so it really had to do with I was tell, I was depressing people with statistics up front and then asking them to set goals that were important. They were too depressed about the statistics. <laughs> Look, I'll never get that from you. Exactly. And so yeah. what I did is I turned it around and said, let's talk about what you really want to accomplish. And now we'll talk about what's in the way. That makes perfect sense. And so, and so when I came up with my book, it was the same order as the workshop, which would be the same order as a course I'd create. So that makes so much sense. So, yeah, that's a real smart move to really think about the design, the order, and how can people connect the information to what they already know. You got it. Thank you, Nancy. So let's do this now. Let me ask you another question. All right. <laughs> Isn't that what we're here for? Yes. <laughs> um, so what benefit goal or objective outcome do people achieve when they follow your advice? And this is where I want you to just give me a specific example. Okay. I was working on a project where we were we were trying to look through, well, what what's the what is it that we want to accomplish? And what I had them do, this is a boutique accounting firm, mm-hmm. to actually go through and come up with a whole inventory of all of their content was one part. And the other part was to come up with what are, what are all the possible topics that you can cover. So they had, this is what we want to cover, and this is what we already have. Now, in a content inventory, that could be a podcast like we're on today. Mm-hmm. It could be an article that you wrote. Maybe it's another course. It's a presentation. Really, any any of your content assets. And it's always useful to bump that up against what it is you want to accomplish because then you have clarity around how much work is it going to take to build it. And you can also think about, you've got two ways that you can go. Do I want to focus on something that's going to be a quick win? that I can get out quickly because I already have something developed? Mm-hmm. Or is there something that's a higher priority? 
that I don't have the information for, but I, I need to work it. Now, in this situation, when we mapped it all out and we looked at what was there and how to set priorities, the decision came around timing. It happened to be around this, this is 1099 season right mm. now. And that's when this was going on. So we yeah. we looked at it in the context of, well, this other course may be more important in terms of the content and the reach. Really, the priority was it shifted around, well, I got to get my employees skilled up so that they'll be ready to do the 1099 processing and to be able to communicate to our, our clients. So what the, what the whole exercise was in getting clarity around what to accomplish and to be able to set priorities rather than I'm just going to start writing about this. <laughs> and it's just, it, it just, it made a huge difference to step back and it gave them more confidence moving forward about what they could create. Cause they went, wow, we've already got a lot of stuff already written. So this isn't going to be that hard instead of where you're feeling like you're just staring at a blank sheet of paper. So that's, that's one example of, of a way that I work with people to help them to get clarity. There's a reluctance to step back and plan. Mm-hmm. But if you step back and plan, then you can really see how big the project is and really le- then lean into it and go, okay, this is what is, have a, a real, um, a realistic picture of what is it going to take to get this work done instead of, well, I think I'll have it done in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Could be true, right? But maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. So funny because I just went through this process on a program that my team and I were working on for a year to get ready and it's still not finished. And what I did instead when I wanted to release something last year is I took a course I taught at UCLA, which was recorded, gave it to my virtual assistant and had her create a course from that. And I showed it, I I sent some emails out in uh, December, sold three of those courses from an email that my VA was able to put together from something I'd already recorded. That's great. Yeah, you can do things quickly or you can do things that take a long time. And we're almost ready to release the one that's been taking us a year. (laughs) Well, I think from the time I gave it to my VA, it was two weeks later, it was a course. Well, you had a good, you had good source content to work with and that makes a huge difference. Yes, it was just, just the recordings from a UCLA class that I taught on buying apartment buildings. There you go. Well, let me ask you this, because we're about to wrap up. What's a valuable free resource that you can direct people to that'll help them develop a course? Okay. Well, I have um, a guide that I wrote that's called Eight Simple Strategies to Create Training That Sells. Mm-hmm. So people can, down- that's an easy download and I can get you to get the link for you so people can have that and grab it. And I have really- that link and I'll put it in the show Perfect. notes. Looks like it. Uh, it's your name and ends with easy steps to create mm-hmm. training that sells. Yes, yes. Eight easy steps to create training that sells, and it really shows the end-to-end process at a high level. So, if people are looking at getting into creating a course, they have a good sense of what's what's the work required to get it done. Beautiful. Is there a question that I should have asked you that would also give some additional value and also answer it? Okay. Well, I think. One question that people have is, how do I go from a webinar to an evergreen course? Mm, mm-hmm, and yes. one of my recommendations when you're looking at that is, it is to think when you're planning your webinar, what could this potentially look like as an online course? How many different sections would I break it into? Because typically in an online course, you're looking at 
five minutes, five yes. to seven minutes, right? Right. Webinars are 30 minutes, 60 minutes, somewhere mm-hmm. in, in that range. So if you think through all the different sections of the course ahead of time, then when you're going to do your webinar, you do you talk, you, da, 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 section one. Yeah. And when you get to the end, you pause, smile at the camera, <laughs> then go into section two. That simple act of adding that little smile and the pause, when you go to edit it, to stand it up as an online course that's going to be evergreen, you have a clean place to cut. Mm-hmm. And so the edit, so then it, there's not this things talking over or you're, you're moving into Q&A, things like that. I also suggest that you take the, try to take the Q&A out if you can and turn it into a frequently asked questions document. Mm-hmm. Because when people are going through it in the that uh, self-study type of format, they may or may not care about the questions that happened when it was in real time. Yes. But you can pull them out and then you have a nice little add-on, add-on piece. So that's right. my, my hot tip of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love it. Thank you, Nancy. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> it's time to thank you for being on the show. <laughs> thank you, Nancy, for being on the show. Well, you're and very to- welcome. Thank you. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Next week, we'll have Terry Levine, who is a mentor for coaches and consultants and offers a guarantee that they can expand their impact, influence, and income. And she's established her own charitable foundation. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and philanthropy. And receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or money. Again, That's wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.